us everything you want to be. Yin Yang, share with us all of your dreams. Yin and Yang, gotta learn how to fight. Be yourself in this life. Okay, welcome back to uh, Yin and Young, the podcast. Uh, so tonight's gonna be interesting. This is a first. This is a first for us. Um, what? Mis- yeah, 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 Mr. Mr. Yin, uh, aka Yin of Yin and Young, Dan. He uh, mm-hmm. he can't make it tonight. So basically, we had set up this time and we were all set to go. And all of a sudden, he said like uh, he had a something came up with him, and uh, I guess. Uh, uh, some friends and uh, so basically he wasn't able to make it tonight um, so hopefully okay. hopefully maybe we can do a repeat like later down a couple episodes later maybe you can come back and yeah I think you guys would definitely connect he's a really really nice dude sure. um, yeah yeah but um, but I think it might be interesting like since it's just you and me maybe yeah maybe that's an interesting format too we'll, we'll see how it goes um, alright uh, yeah 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 um let's see so here i'll do a little intro and then uh again uh, and then i guess uh maybe uh you can fill in the spaces if i miss anything um so okay great we have an awesome guest tonight uh we have mr henry j kim Woo! yeah yeah mr henry j kim uh he's a filmmaker based out of the san francisco bay area I mm-hmm. first met him back in the in the South Bay for a South uh, South Bay First Thursdays, where he uh, showed a clip from his uh, his pilot, uh, All Men Are Thieves, which he later yeah. developed into a, a, a full length pilot. The first thing I saw was like a ten minute teaser, and then he developed into a full length pilot uh, pilot that he screened at the Roxy, where I met him again. I we may have met before that again too but we met again there he had a big screening it's good to connect and then we we met up again maybe to watch Wong Kar Wai which is one of my favorites and one of Henry's favorites uh filmmakers mm-hmm. and from True. there yes for sure and we can we can talk about that um and uh so since then you know we kept in touch and then Henry he 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 has a, a teaching background and knowing that i was like dude he would be a great speaker for my kids i teach i teach at uh i, I used to teach part part time uh, this was my last semester and i taught part time at uh, cal state northridge and mm-hmm. um uh screen an intro to screenwriting class it's, uh and basically he he called in and like i, I think the the kids really digged it uh well the kid they're <laughs> they're like in their 20s or night yeah so I guess they're mm. kids to us, maybe. I don't know. Anyways, these young adults, um, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> these young adults. Uh, I have no idea how old you are. You're pretty young to me as well. Who me? Oh, I'm 32. Yeah. What? Yeah. Twenties. Okay, yeah. Wait, wait. You're you're in your later 30s, I guess, or what? I'm 35 now. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're in the same gen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um. And uh, yeah, we gave a talk. He's he's actually developing a guerrilla filmmaking book, which you can talk about too if you want to, Henry. Um, and that's mm-hmm. yeah, basically kind of like an updated Robert Rodriguez um, sort of uh, uh, D- D- DIY manual, sort of so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So yeah, and then now he is uh, doing some projects. Uh, he's making some trips to LA, talking to you know some people who are interested down here. While he's also still doing gigs, short films, um, you know, you name it. While operating a website, a, a pretty dope ass website called uh, Empty Kingdom. If you guys have, haven't had a chance, check that out. So that is um, yeah, my brief intro. Yeah, did I miss anything, Henry, or anything else you want to share? Mm. Mm, that's pretty good okay cool uh and uh let me let you know about this podcast like basically we talk for about an hour hour 15 or whatever and we um oh if you do you know any do you speak any korean or not really uh it's pretty bad it's pretty bad okay yeah why at the end of the podcast we usually share like a a phrase from our our culture or heritage or something so um uh, i'll prompt yeah i'll I'll let you know at the end Uh, if not we can we can do something else but yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and uh yeah it's a pretty free form we just talk about anything uh we can talk about filmmaking we all could we can also talk about relate we've talked about relationships in the past um and yeah, I I have some things you know to to talk to you about. Um, but first off, yeah, yo, where are you at right now? Are you in the? You're in the. Uh, I'm just chilling. You're chilling. You do you live in? Are you in the Oakland? Area? Oh, also, like, yeah. If as far as specifics, you know, don't feel, pre- you know, this is a public podcast, so if you don't don't feel pressure to give any specifics or anything, if you know, in case someone I comes live after at 225 you. Two two five University Avenue. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so east bay right now yeah <laughs> wait so uh you're what are you in the um, east bay or where are you at right now east bay east bay okay okay cool cool yeah. were you just covering the warriors game or something or i was just at the warriors game yeah i was filming for a local uh, sports channel and um yeah just trying to enjoy it and are you working on a doc for them as well or what's what's going on there I'm working on my own documentary about the Warriors that I started with a part- partner, and um, we've been working on it for like eight years now. And damn, uh, okay, yeah, pretty pretty long. Okay, are you, are you gonna cut it anytime soon, or uh, are you still we're cutting it now? It's just it's we're a little. I mean, <laughs> I don't think I'm. I'm never say never, but I probably won't choose to work on another project that that depends on the actual like live results of somebody you know so last year when we were filming they ended up not winning the finals so uh that kind of threw our story off and uh and then they got kevin durant and it's kind of like new drama and kind of new challenges so you know unfortunately i'm kind of uh fortunately slash unfortunately or maybe it's neither or nor but uh i'm basically waiting to see you know i'm following throughout this rest of the season see what happens hopefully they uh make it to the finals and win that would be super great now that's really interesting because um uh did i tell you i worked on a a documentary as well fight life it's like a mixed martial arts Mm -hmm. documentary yeah and uh yeah yeah yeah. so i worked on that as a producer for uh james fang he's a director and um basically we followed a fi- these fighters for about a year we actually originally had three fighters but one of our fighters uh lost right 
and we still had all this footage on him and we would have had maybe a good if we had his story it would have been a good two hours right the doc the documentary but mm -hmm. he was not comfortable with less you know well it was more just like it it because he lost kind of similar to your story because he lost it wasn't really uh a, a, yeah i we, you know, it wasn't like a comfortable thing that he wanted to share and that fit our story arc and all that good, all that stuff, right? So, <laughs> um, yeah, so we, we, we uh, you know, uh, with respect to him and, and to the story, we, we, we took that out and we focused on uh, two other fighters and they, they won their fights at, towards the, the, the end of our filming. We filmed them for a year, but uh, it's interesting. Documentary is... I don't think I would get back in the documentary, to be honest, man. Like, I, I hear you. It's kind of, <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like as a director, writer, director, you're more like uh, you're in that sort of godlike state. I get like, you still have yeah. to listen to producers and all that stuff, right? But yeah. before like a doc, I mean, um, no, nah, there's just, you, you have, it depends on like the story you're trying to tell and like the, the actors being the subject, the people that you're filming. It's, it's fun. It's really, you know, informative, but I don't know as a format it's um it's kind of it's kind of uh it's a tough, it's a tough one man you gotta you gotta really care about the subject and, yes uh, yeah you know i think uh uh and you know what most starting out as a filmmaker i never really intended on being a documentary filmmaker i kind of discovered the fun of it um you know later on so I wouldn't say I wouldn't do it, but it's definitely not. Um, or I don't know. I could see myself doing like kind of like the Scorsese thing of doing narratives and then doing, you know, cool doc projects, you know, about things I want to. But um, I don't know, oh, man. It's those are two totally different too, you know. So it's it's hard. You're trying to put time into stuff, and a documentary can, you know, like this one has has gone on eight years now, and. Uh, you know, it's um, definitely it's it's one of those things where you you, you got to do it knowing that maybe nothing could happen at the end, and that's wow. pretty crazy. Like you got to really uh, uh, <laughs> really want to really love the subject. To that's so crazy to think about that, it. though. Like you have eight years, dude. So you must have like terabytes worth of footage. Well, back in the, eight years ago, it's probably smaller format, but now. It, you must have like hard drives worth of footage and stuff, yeah. Yeah, we have probably eight terabytes of footage, maybe. Oh my gosh, who's watching all <laughs> that? Who's watch? Who's watching all that? I have a friend that's been helping me edit that went through most of it, and um, but I gotta go through all of it just to, you know. Well, I was there, so you know, and then I gotta go through it too. Right. You know, pick the story out anyways, so it doesn't. I'm gonna end up going through it all. <laughs> is there is there is there a focus uh, as far as char uh, characters, or you kind of don't want you don't want to talk about it right now? <laughs> oh no, it's well, oh, you know it's funny because when we started the doc, the you know the Warriors sucked, so it was nothing more than just a uh, a documentary to highlight the fan base and and you know really show how awesome they were at a time when nobody knew that they were even fans or what you know what they were about, and um, you know luckily the Warriors got really good. Right. Uh, it kind of grew into more of a thing about not just the fan base, but and not just the story of this young team, but also um, 
you know, like kind of because they're bad for so long for like 40 years. It's kind of like there's this whole like three generations of both on the basketball and fan side that, you know, have gone through this journey. So uh, so it actually turned out to it's turned out to be a lot more about the the family aspect and the heart and all that. Um, so we're kind of trying to parallel like kind of what's going on was going on culturally around the bay area and stuff throughout the journey of the warriors team as well dude because that's dope like because it's such well okay so the drawback i guess would be like it's taking so long but then the Mm -hmm. cool thing is that because it's taking so long you can you're actually seeing real-time cultural changes in the last eight years i mean like yeah, it's crazy. In eight years, you know, like smartphones, eight years ago, smartphones weren't that huge of a thing. And now, you know, whatever, it's like, yeah. So it's kind of, and then, yeah, no, it's interesting. Yeah, you, you mentioned that. Um, so I, I want to backtrack real quick is, uh, so just a little bit about your, your history. I know, um, so you said, you said you first got into the visual medium, actually not through film, but through, through graphic novels, comics. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, there were comic books. Um, that's was my thing, and uh, just as a young kid, I, I think second grade or something, third grade, I discovered comics, and uh, they just became my life. <laughs> so I thought I was going to be a comic book artist at first, um, until I decided I wanted to make, make uh, movies. But I, mean, I still want to make comics, but I just, you know, I respect the the art of comics, how much work you got to put in. So I kind of see myself as, a, um, I have to go through the, the kind of the time I got to put in the time all over again, you know, and, and work on that before I really, uh, I don't know, consider myself a comic book artist. <laughs> like, did you ever, have you ever written for a comic book or did drawings for a comic book that you ever produced or anything like that or not, or never to the printing stage. I just um... was always, drawing and doing it myself i never finished any any of them just because i was always uh i had a hard time with it when uh i don't know i guess i'm a perfectionist it's just if it doesn't come out well as a kid especially so i don't know i'm kind of see i have the approach of an artist of you know some people think like even before they pick up a pen like if they call themselves an artist they are therefore an (laughs) artist you know and i think that's maybe more Western and then an Eastern thought is more like, you know, you got to practice it a thousand times before you, you know, dare call yourself an artist or whatever. Right. Like 10 you years, know. putting your 10 years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I'm kind of of that, that mindset. I, I'm, I got to put in a lot of time and, and then I will consider myself. I mean, I can definitely call myself a director, a film director. <laughs> right. You've been doing it for, That's... for a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, one one thing oh, I was gonna the, yeah that time period where I was like mm-hmm. yeah so, sorry go ahead no yeah that's, that's pretty much it yeah I was wondering about like um wait so you so you're still interested in doing comic book art eventually uh, maybe later down after you know after this maybe like as a side gig or something huh um well my secret ambition is to become one of the best director slash comic book artists. Um, <laughs> You know, which is kind of a really strange, um, hard thing because there's a lot of directors that have written comic books, um, none that I know of that have drawn them. Um, 
if I can if I can nail that, then I think I'll be pretty happy. Dude, that's pretty dope. Yeah, I mean, are you a fan of uh, Jim Lee at all, or? Oh, of course. I mean, I haven't followed much mainstream stuff in a while, but yeah. um, I. Uh, yeah, Jim Lee was definitely a hero growing up, especially realizing that he's Korean. Yeah, I didn't um, know he was Korean until, like, I, I listened yeah. to, like, da- you know David Cho, the artist? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he he has he has a, he used to have a podcast. He talked about how Jim Lee was his hero growing up, too. Right. So, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And I was like, oh, shit, Jim Lee is Korean. Yeah, he's Korean. He's uh, um, from South Korea. He's a boss and he's definitely one of the og kind of he's one of the few og i guess in the golden age of comic books that is still like doing it and still respected by you know different general comic book fans so um yeah so if i ever meet you jim lee uh, don't run <laughs> I might <laughs> you said you say him letters i sent him a few letters um just uh, telling him <laughs> I'm a Korean American artist, just yeah. liking his stuff, and you know, I don't know, I don't even remember if I even asked for anything, but just to let him know that there's other people out there that that look up to him. And then I realized everybody fucking. Sorry, you cut out for a second. Would you say everyone what? Everybody loves him, so I don't think he really needs that. But, did did yeah. he ever respond to you at all, or no? Uh, no, 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 no response. Oh, uh, yeah. come on, Jim Lee. All right, we're gonna get him. The, we're gonna get know, him. The, what was me? One of the hundreds of thousands of people that's probably sent him messages. <laughs> he hasn't responded to. So you know. So what? So comic books. What's your jam? Uh, DC universe, uh, Marvel universe, uh, Dark Horse. I was a Marvel boy growing up with some like dark, uh, you know, other stuff, Dark Horse. I mean, image when it came out, obviously, and you know, um, now I'm, you know what, I'm, I follow more creators nowadays. I, I notice certain teams just kind of keep putting out awesome stuff, and so um, I don't follow labels as much. Like, um, I remember freaking my jam was Spawn. Like, fucking, oh, yeah. yeah, Spawn was so dope. <laughs> yeah. And he's a, you know, he's a character of color, too. Kind of, that's kind of cool, too. Um, and then, um, dude, yeah, Spawn. Um, I remember Carnage. Like, that whole story arc was like, re- you know, that was kind of scary, but good. Um, nah, there's like, yeah, yeah Max. You ever read Max? <laughs> Of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Max by Sam Keith. Yeah, yeah. So that's some, that's a weird one. That's a weird one. I don't know, but like, I think comic. Yeah, I think comics were, were they were doing some weird stuff, and like because I guess because we're underage at the time, like I don't know, it was easier to access for stuff. Like you could just go in the comic book store and just like flip through it, and no one would like judge you too much. While you just yeah, anyways. <laughs> um <laughs> that's true yeah whereas like <laughs> yeah 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 i remember um but okay so okay from 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 comic books so what i'm curious about is when was the graduation or not the graduation or like the move to the film next stage. the next yeah. day was it was it like was it a Wong Kar Wai film was it a uh was it a Robert Rodriguez book or like what was it yeah I would say it, it happened in three stages, which is, you know, watching El Mariachi and reading Robert Rodriguez's book, watching um, Pulp Fiction for the first time, and watching, like, uh, Clerks, um, 
and the whole Kevin Smith story. It was kind of really the, the stories of those three filmmakers because, you know, they kind of all, like, came out around the same time and kind of, like, made careers for themselves their own way. And um, I think I was just inspired. I was inspired by Robert Rodriguez for the fact that he just, you know, just had the, the kind of can-do DIY attitude. Right. And, like... And then... Yeah. Because, like, that was and the what? 90s, right? That's so, like, that's kind of mm-hmm. when the indie scene was kind of blowing up, you know? Like, they also had the Richard Linklater uh, right. guy coming out. And, um, right. and uh, yeah, dude, Clerks, come on. Like, I, I saw Clerks, I was like, this is good. And, like, I think I can make something like this, right? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's it's essentially what these filmmakers kind of did for everybody is, like, inspire people because... They were just all people that love film and like found a way to make something that, you know, got a ten. Um, and you know, it. I think you know some of their films. I don't think they've held up as well <laughs> over time. But yeah, uh, yeah. You know, but the point is that they, they, uh, they changed the industry. You know, and they inspired a whole. And it's like it's a kind of a convergence of, you know, a time period when. Um, people are you know getting connected on the internet and being to consume things a little easier and then starting to kind of you know have more access to equipment and, and cheaper cameras and things like that and just be able to go out there and start making it you know how old so i'm guessing you were in high school when you first saw these films or college mm, actually let me see when. Well, I don't even know how old I was. Cause I remember uh, junior high, junior high, junior high. Cause Clerks, yeah. yeah, I think okay, Clerks was what I'll look it up. But yeah, it was around for me. I think I first saw it in high school, but that might have been a few years after it was released already. So, um, cause like uh, yeah, I mean like in junior high, like did you get the sexual jokes then or? <laughs> I kind of did. I, you know what? Uh, uh, that was of an innocent time, I guess. But uh, uh, yeah, yeah. By then, we we, we were getting that. We we had you know, uh, what pornographic JPEGs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, I, or maybe sometimes vi- like video. If you like wait a month to download it or some shit like so, that. Yeah, yeah. I remember like the fucking. Um, do you remember the wavy porn? Like. You flip to a certain channel, like channel ninety nine or something, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And you're like hoping that the picture comes out, like yeah. for just a split second, and you can kind of hear it, you know. And it's like at the cheesy, like, again, um, porn movie music and dialogue. <laughs> right. I, <laughs> wow, that brings back old memory. I totally forgot about that. No, like I remember, like yeah, I I was I would just sometimes I just leave, you know, when no one was home or I'm alone, I'd leave it on, right? <laughs> And sometimes I, I just, it's crazy. I still remember this, but like there was one time that it was fairly clear and I was like, holy shit, did I like, I think I moved the TV or something and I watched this whole segment of like, she had like a skirt, <laughs> they're in the limousine. I was like, That's hilarious. yeah, and I was, your and, brain. yeah, yeah. And I just remember seeing like, oh my goodness, this is like, this is like, I, I don't, it's like looking to someone's life and it's, 
it's so vulnerable. Anyways, um, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. So yeah that time period I got into, uh, you know, these filmmakers. What they really showed me is that if you really have a passion and you really um, love what you you're doing and representing, you can kind of find your own way to to create your own world. You know, I think the fact that they're all independent, they all came outside of the studio system, um, and and also, they all indulged themselves, you know, in, in making a movie the way that they wanted, you know, which was, I think, even at that time, I knew, like, I guess Tarantino was the only director that I would say is, like, you know, kind of like an auteur out of the three of them. Um, but, uh, you know, I just liked the way that Kevin Smith could <laughs> make a movie about dick and fart jokes, you right, know, yeah. and somehow to work out you know he'll get fans from that and you know robert rodriguez was definitely very much like diy and um and tarantino was just kind of like he just loved cinema so much and his knowledge of cinema and all that stuff came across so you know um i think he was obviously kind of a special talent from the beginning yeah what's up okay real talk what's up with kevin mm. smith man like okay Kevin's like yeah okay clerks that. clerks was dope Chasing Amy was pretty dope. Um, Dogma was I right? Dogma was fun. Yeah. yeah the was... script was really good. I read the Dogma script years before it got made. No shit, okay. Uh, on some message board, and it was like Kevin Smith's unmade movie. Like, just read it. And it was it had me howling. It was amazing. It's um, funny, dude. Yeah, Dogma's dope. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, something about the movie, it doesn't, it's not fully, I don't know, it doesn't, you know what I think it is about Kevin Smith is he never saw himself as an auteur because I remember in a lot of his DVD commentaries he would kind of talk down about himself about not being a real director because he doesn't do camera moves he doesn't know like any of that stuff and you know it was a big deal for him to even try like a dolly shot or something like that so I think he he kind of subconsciously like put himself more in the writer right. category um, and so uh, that to me. I don't know. As a director, you gotta have a certain confidence and swag in yourself, and and then also, I mean, he is telling dick and fart jokes, so you know he got older, and uh, I don't know the humor shifted, you know, because I think he made Zach and Mary made a porn make a porno, which was semi successful, and you know, featuring um, kind of like a pre-famous Seth Rogen. Um, and Jason Siegel. you know, I remember watching, and, yeah, Jason, oh yeah, Jason Siegel's in it. So yeah, I remember yeah. watching and thinking like, oh, he's trying really hard to like make a comedy that everybody will enjoy, and it, it kind of, it's definitely got funny moments, but there's something about it that just it feels like it's not fully in touch. And then I think right after that time period, you see kind of the rise of you know, the shift to comedy being, like, a little more meta, a little funnier, or a little more um, intelligent, I guess, you know? It's like uh, Judd Apatow. Judd Apatow, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think I think he's he just tough, man. It's hard to stay relevant, dude, and you, you kind of just miss the boat, and or the boat keeps going, and you're not on it anymore. So I think that's what really happened to him, is that he never um, found any stories that he... that maybe would be more meaningful like on a humanistic standpoint and his brand of humor just kind of like aside from the hardcore fans that enjoy his stuff like he never really like dude i tried to watch um yoga 
hosers. Yo, um, uh, say what now? Yoga hosers. This is his most recent movie. It's with starring his daughter and, and Johnny Depp's daughter. Okay. Um, and it's just so bad. I wanted to like it. I wanted to give him a clean, you know, chance, but it was just, um. Incredible how bad it was. You know? <laughs> so bad for him, you know. It was just he was trying so hard, and then he's like, "Oh, I'm not putting my daughter in it because she's my daughter. I'm putting her in it because she's good." And it's like, mm, I think if she's your daughter, and that's why she's in. This. Yeah, no, yeah. Just she's got maybe some talent. I don't know. I'm not trying to dog her, but it was like kind of clear that it had, you know. I don't want to hate on that though, because if I was a father, I would. I guess I would want to you know, do whatever I can to make my kids successful as well, but, and support them, you know, and their, their desires, but at the same time, I don't know, I just didn't, like, he's just putting all these graphics on screen to, like, show, like, meme culture and stuff, but it was, it just just felt like, I don't know, it just felt like somebody wrote, like, put together a room full of teenagers and was like, what, what words are funny to use? And Oh, God, You know, just, so I don't, I don't want to dog them too much, but I think that's what happened. Was he just he never, um, you know, found a, a, a different bag of tricks to, to rely on? And well, you and know, what he does back. now is like he's a he's a pretty successful podcaster, <laughs> so like he's just yeah. for podcasting, man. If he didn't have podcasting, he would have been fucked. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, he's always been good at engaging his fan base. There's probably a lot of fans that would kill me and hate me, anything negative about him, but I do respect him. Um, it's just that. You know, if it wasn't for podcasting and, and just kind of the rise of non-scripted TV and, and also really the rise of geek culture, which, you know, he is a part of that, you know, ushering that in. For sure, um, yeah, yeah. The fact that you can support yourself off of geek culture now uh, is probably the reason why he's still around, to be honest. Um, but actually, I, I haven't seen some of his other stuff. Like, I know he's directed some TV stuff, like uh, the whatever the Legends of Tomorrow on on CW, okay, and he's done some Green Arrow and whatever. So I think I think he kind of has been keeping busy. You know, I just is in terms of movies though, it's hard because you get one shot to capture the zeitgeist, and I don't think he's figured that part out yet recently. Now, what I'm curious about, like, so what made you now? You're int- you're also interested in you know international like Asian cinema as well. Was there was there a film that kind of turned you on to like Wong Kar Wai or to um, those other like uh, international filmmakers? Or was that always something? Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was definitely a Wong Kar. It was Chungking Express. Um, sorry, sorry, say that. It was Express, Tarantino right? Tried to roll out. Yeah. Express, yeah. That's when Tarantino was trying to roll out um, kind of a, a distribution label to show like the kind of international and, and genre stuff that he likes. So thank goodness for that because. I really only picked up the box because it had Tarantino's face on it, and it was like Tarantino presents Chunking Express, and I had no idea what I was in for. But man, from the very first like ten seconds, my mind was just completely blown. Yes. <laughs> I was yeah. like, Whoa! I was like, uh, this is like real art. This is like totally different than any movie I've ever seen, and that led me down the Asian, international, and then European, and you know. Um, of course, discovering like French New Wave and and things like that, and so and then Old Boy, I guess, was another the other Asian Damn. film that yeah. really kind of blew my mind because I was just like it was so beautiful, it was like so symphonic and orchestral, and 
uh, masterful and yet it was like dark and edgy and cool too so i don't know it kind of was like to me it was like a pretty pretty good movie like so in the in this timeline um have you already made so when, before you saw chunking express have you already made your first short already or not yet not yet i did a lot of talking about making movies and i did a lot of watching movies i didn't make movies really until um well probably shortly after that but i took a junior a jc class uh for intro to filmmaking and that just changed my whole life because you know i i went from talking about it for years to like actually trying my hand on it with a friend and yeah we thought we were pretty good so we kept going did you did you get your bachelor's degree or did you just go straight to community college or i went to community college for a little bit um I took one class in community college, and then after that, I was really self-taught. And then I took like, well, I, that's not true. I kind of pieced together my own education at J, different JCs depending on what I wanted to learn. Did you, you go know, to like, De Anza or would you? Or Di- I went to Diablo Valley. Diablo Valley, yeah. and then I went to like Berkeley, and mostly self-taught though. And then and then I ended up going to SF State later when I was like 24, and. Um, uh, yeah, I didn't graduate though because I, I cashed in. I, I wasn't. I found I wasn't learning enough, and I was really busy working. So I ended up just kind of like playing off of that whole Robert Rodriguez and Kevin Smith kind of mold. I decided, you know, I'm just gonna take my money and make something to show what I can do. And I think that was the right decision for me because, you know, um, at that point I wasn't learning anything at school other than I had some really cool philosophy class. I remember but, uh, you said something like that. You said um, that to my kids, right? And I remember I was like, "Oh, they're gonna they're gonna drop out of school now." <laughs> I know. You know, what's funny is like, I don't recommend that for. That was why I tried to stress that when I started that way, I took it so seriously because I thought of all these kids that would be like really studying it, and I just imagine everybody was like a complete fanatic slash, you know workaholic like maniac about film and i just thought everybody was out there like studying film every day and 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 all that so i i really tried to go through the curriculum and and read as many books and i could and you know learn as much as i could so i mean if kids don't go to film school then they got to try like five times harder to to get an equivalent education on their own so um i don't I would never just recommend somebody to just drop out, out and, <laughs> you know. Because the problem is, you know, the real truth, keeping it real, is like most real, people yeah. don't know if they're good or not, and they think they're, and they're not good. And so that's something that I, I kind of used to tell my students when I taught, which is um, the thing that schools can never teach you really is taste. You know, it's good taste. And that's something that you either have or you don't have or you kind of learn how to decipher like what is good taste like what makes sense um because i think all the greatest directors they know what to say yes to and what to say no to and it really all boils to taste and sensibilities so um yeah so yeah i don't know like i think it kind of worked out for me but at the same time i wouldn't (laughs) i wouldn't recommend it for somebody else to do it that way unless they really took it that seriously you know and this was during when you're 20 mid-20s right this this um taking the, the... yeah 20s i guess yeah 24 25 was kind of when i 
uh, well, I don't know. I was doing it before that. I was, you know, into it since like, I was like 19, I guess. Yeah. And but 24, 25 is when I went to school, and then by the time I was like 26 or something like 27, I, I was I was done with school basically. Wait, so you quit after what two two three years of college? Yeah, it's the last year was kind of really stretched out because I was working for my dad and I was working like literally like 80 to 100 hours a week almost. Shit, wow. Yeah, so it it got really hard. So it went from like a full semester to like three classes and two classes and I think in the last semester I had like one class and I was like, oh, I'm totally... What's your dad um, do? or What what were you doing for your dad, if I may ask? Yeah, that's fine. At the time it was a bait shop. It was like uh, selling fishing tackle supplies and, and... you know, running the store and making food for people and stuff like that. So right. it was pretty pretty menial work. Now, okay, real talk, like yeah. your parents, you're <laughs> you're you're twenty seven, twenty six and you quit college. Like what's up with right. like I know Well, I had life, already yeah. not gone to college, so they were already in and I only went back because they really wanted me to get a degree because they were stressed out that I was gonna ruin my life trying to be an artist, you know. Um, so yeah, they weren't happy. <laughs> they they wanted me to, you know, get a sensible degree so I can fall back on something. And I was studying psychology in the very very beginning, you know, when I got out of high school. And um, but the thing is, I told them as soon as I'm done with this, I'm gonna go right into film. And then I kind of realized wait a second, why am I going to spend four years studying something when I already know as soon as it's over, I'm going to go into something else. Like, I'm not going to lose four years to some to these other people. You know, I need to be getting on it now. Right, you're, <laughs> so only, kinda, you're only 26, 27 once, right? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I just, I had that mentality when I was like 19, 20, though, you know. So I think I just kind of bet on myself, like, really early on. And um, it wasn't until I took that JC class, though, that I actually had the confidence that I was like, okay, if I if I can develop myself, I think I can be successful. Um, I just, yeah. So that was a very important. Was that um, because like you saw your other classmates and you're like, dude, I can I can make better shit than them. Is 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 that what like? Is that, is <laughs> that, that it really was that you know and. It sounds like a douchebag, but it's kind of like it's like, dude, if you're gonna make it in the NBA, you gotta already be kicking everybody's ass in like elementary school and high school and shit like that. You know, mm-hmm. like if you're not if you're not already standing out, like not to say you couldn't become amazing or whatever, but I'm just saying, like for me, it was a sign because I remember we took this first class, and I'm really not kidding. Like the teacher would always rag on everybody else, and then end up using our films as an examples of like what to do you wow. know what I mean? and we would always go like above and beyond right. what uh um you know the other what the assignment was you know and um so i think i don't know we just kind of realized i remember there was this one moment where it was where he was showing us a film and he wanted us to like moves it was like angry i think it was an ice storm and um and I just like nailed it. Like the first like five minutes, I I listed like I knew all the shots, like exactly what was going on. Damn. And I just I kind of realized like oh like actually this this thing is something that I might have some talent. But at the same time, I stay I stayed humble in the sense that like you know I never thought I was um, 
Oh, I never thought that that meant I, I wasn't going to have to work really hard to get where I want to be, you know, because if I'm looking at, like, I'm super amazing filmmakers, like, I might think, like, oh, yeah, my classmates at this freaking junior college suck, but, <laughs> you know, if I were to get in the room with Scorsese or something, it's not like I would ever, like, have anything to say to him. I would just be learning, you know? So I, I think... On one hand, I stay humble. On the other hand, I just try to... You know, I, I really subscribe to the Bruce Lee quote where he says, like, you know, if you ask me if I'm good and I say that I'm not, I'm lying. But <laughs> if, I, if I say I am, I'm I'm cocky, you know? So it's kind of like, how do you know that you're good without saying that you're good? And then also, you know, not... You're greater than you really are. <laughs> no, I feel you. Like, one thing... This is something I've been been thinking about ever since ever since I got interested in the arts like I got interested in the arts maybe as a teenager through like anime right Evangelion was one of the big things for me and then mm. um, and then it was a, a film by Edward Yang a Taiwanese filmmaker called uh, it was called EE -E, a one and two um, and then like I got into from mm. there I got into Wong Kar Wai and Asian cinema and I was like really dope uh, but one thing I was always thinking about is like okay uh, so like these filmmakers like are they just talented are they born with this or is it something they can work at and shape now one thing that you mentioned was like taste can't be taught now mm. um so so where where does taste come from is that something that's just you're born with then or or is that something you can develop or you know it's kind of that 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 age-old qu question right nature versus nurture like are you born an artist or are you is that something you can work at like have you ever thought about that no, that's a good question, actually. I think, actually, the, what I realize is the truth is that taste is actually determined by, by um, the public in the end. So, like, you can have this collection of aesthetics that you put together, but, you know, if people don't respond to it, then it's not good. And, and it might be, like, a small group of people you want to respond, but the point is that, you know, the, as artists, we're all like Tinkerbell, right? Like, if people don't, talk about us like the moment the last person who knows who we are forgets who we are we're, we cease to exist you know and we die and so like you know you can have this amazing aesthetic and maybe it's ahead of your time up to it later or maybe they never do so that means it was never good um at least in the eyes of history so i think it's actually um it's something that you put together, which is a culmination of your personality and your influences. It's the nature and nurture, but in the end, it's validated by whether or not your work gets passed on, you know, after you go. If people want to keep sharing it, that means, you know, there's something to it. Or maybe it gets discovered like a hundred years later or like, like after, years after you die, like a Van Gogh or something. And then you're like, oh, damn, this shit is dope. Right. <laughs> and that's, that's still the public validating you you know what i mean like whether you're alive or dead whenever they it happens if it didn't happen like we wouldn't even know he existed like we would have no idea who he is right you know? right so in the end it's still the public that you have to rely on that but then like okay so if it's publicly like it's, it's so it's like voting right you're voting with your wallet or for your number of views then mm -hmm. what what is um that could be kind of frustrating, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's kind of like, mm -hmm. I'm doing what I'm doing, I've been grinding for however long, I think I have good taste, but I'm not, you know, what is it? Is it? Is it me? Is it the public? Like, 
it's it's kind of um i don't know because like when i you know okay here, here's the question that i basically it's like do you make stuff for yourself or do you make stuff for an audience like like for you if i asked you that question what would you say I definitely make it for myself. I think regardless, you got to make it for yourself. You can't worry about how too much about how they're going to judge you um, while you're making it. Um, but I'm just saying, like, when it comes to what is taste, I can tell you. I mean, the problem is then everybody theirs is the best, you know, And but how do you actually equalize that? So I think that's over time, you know, that could... Um, and again, it, it might just be like a small group, right? Because there's all these movies, these obscure films that nobody really, only like cinema buffs like might know about. And so the general public might not care, but like everybody in film school might really know about it and love it. And that informs their work. So, you know, they've, they've validated you. So I think, um, and at the same time, I, I do believe, yeah, like, Nobody needs to validate you. You could val you validate yourself, and that's enough. But um, I guess I'm just trying to figure out what is taste. You know, like it's 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 not the thing about art is that it's not just you. You know, what I mean, it is a feedback from other people. Otherwise, you could you know spend a dollar, make a video at home, and never share it with anybody, and it won't matter if you're good or not. Like the taste part won't even be a question. Um, it only becomes a question because you you have a feedback with with other people mm. you know, it's like food you know like, are they going to respond so that's why it becomes taste but otherwise it, the taste doesn't is kind of irrelevant if you were to never show somebody right like you hear those stories about these artists like or like they're not artists until like maybe they die and someone opens their apartment and they've taken like thousands of yeah. photographs right have you heard those stories yeah yeah, yeah. and that that shit scares artists. me you know <laughs> it's like that's why i try to put out yeah. stuff I, i'm like, <laughs> I want to put stuff out now while I'm alive. You know, I like, hey, real talk. Like, I like feedback. I like, I like, I like it when people say, hey, I, I dug your work. You know, that's that's a pretty dope ass feeling. Like, like when someone when you showed your film for the first time in the theater and people clapped. Like, what was that feeling like to you? Oh yeah, no, that's why we do it. I mean, that's why I think artists who um, don't acknowledge. That they're either protecting themselves or they're lying but yeah. you know you do it especially film i mean come on man you you are truly doing it for everybody you know what i mean for people to watch even tarantino has said many times about that he wants people to show up he wants to make a billion dollars at the box office because it means that people are are watching it you know and um honestly like art to me is mutual masturbation you know yeah 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 you're you're writing you know, be a part of that masturbation and uh <laughs> you know i think um <laughs> you know the first time to answer your question though the first time i actually showed a movie and people clap i remember i showed uh, no rest for the wicked and the full version the 40 minute version and i'm i look over and this girl is just like bawling you know she's like crying wow and you know just kind of holding on to her boyfriend because it's like a, it's a you know like a romantic kind of tragedy and uh, I was like, oh, shit, I got it. Like, I, I got one, you know? And yeah. It's like, that was, you know, like, I I really think filmmaking is truly, like, multiple orgasmic art because, 
first you come up with the idea and you're like stroking yourself you're like oh that idea is so amazing that that just makes me so happy and you know you feel like a god and you you are playing god you know and then and then you know you make the movie and that's like this challenge but at the same time it's a huge rush you know it's definitely um, many moments of of mental orgasm you know and then and then you edit it and it's the same thing and it's all coming together and you hate it and love it and hate it and love it and then and then you screw it and if people enjoy it then yeah that's kind of like the the next stage the final stage it's like kind of like a four stage uh, the fifth stage would be like if you have like groupies or something like <laughs> your movie then you have an actual real orgasm to finish the whole journey and uh you know that's why i think collaboration collaboration yeah, yeah um <laughs> one one thing like one thing I, I was kind of, something that's kind of held me back. I'm I'm trying to get over it. I think is this mm. idea that, and I think it's a false idea, is that art is not something you get better at. It's like you're born with it, but it's something mm. that's I think because I you'll see you all. But yeah, I mean, people are putting in their whatever ten thousand hours right mm. to get mm. better at like all these crazy things. You know, whatever it be, violin, basketball, you know, filmmaking, like. Mm-hmm. But I think it does take a certain mentality to want to put to actually put in that time, though, right? And yeah. it's it's um it's something that I think I had to get over in myself because I was like, no one wants to waste time, right? No one wants to put time into something that's mm. a dead end, right? So kind of like with you in psychology, you knew in your mind, like, I mean, I'm sure you you could be a great psychologist if you put in the time if you wanted to, right? But it's you're not going to waste that time in something you don't love, right? Or you're not passionate about. So, um, yeah. so sometimes I, I just have to, there's that Scorsese talk. He does a, he gave a commencement, I think at Tisch and he's talking about how you have to uh-huh. rekindle that fire, that passion. Right. Cause then like, it's kind of easy to say, ah, oh, you know what? I don't have it. I'm just going to quit. This is a dead end. This, it's so easy right. to say that. Right. I mean, have you come yeah. across those give up moments before, or you've always been pretty like, fuck it this i'm all i'm all in you know it happened one time um because i realized i i so the thing is like i i'm my weakness has been promoting myself and kind of like consciously like developing my career like professionally you know yeah and when it occurred to me that i had the talent and the skill but none of like the kind of um networking street smarts or that type of desire you know that energy um i i kind of shifted a little and i started like caring more about what people were going to think how they're going to react to stuff like what kind of stuff would people be most interested in promoting of mine and and stuff and and i just got really unhappy and um and yeah and i was like oh shit i'm like 30 and i haven't fucking made it i'm supposed to be like a you know, superstar by now, what the fuck, and then, you know, so I got a little down, I realized it was because, yeah, because I was worried about what other people would think, and so I kind of re, re, uh, calibrated my brain to go back into, to fuck it mode, I, um, I mean, I gotta tell you, like, and this is just my opinion, but when it comes to the question of, like, should you do it or not, it's like, you gotta ask yourself, like, or at least what I ask myself is, would I be willing to die doing this? you know like actually die like i bet like in all my movies i've my major projects i've worked so hard to the point where like i was actually afraid i might die you know? oh like, I worked, shit you know, 
once I was up for four days straight, you know, on the fourth day I started hallucinating. And I was like, whoa, I'm like really going Dude, I remember you posted on Facebook, hey, what to do <laughs> with, with how can you cure, um, what are the dangers of not sleeping? Like, what, what, how can I stop? <laughs> you, you posted something on Facebook, you were asking for help, basically. My health was really, my health actually genuinely went really bad. Oh my it gosh. Not just the filmmaking, but it was just the way I, I was living was not sleeping much, working all the time. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I worked to the point where I'm like, I'm really, I'm like, would I be willing to die doing this? And it's like, yes. And and even if the question is like, would you be willing to kill to do this? Like, I'll pause and think about that. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Like, kill. Who, 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 who do I have to kill to keep doing this? Okay, you, you heard it first. <laughs> I'll kill baby Hitler. Oh my gosh. I'll just do it just oh because, my gosh, but, um... Henry. That's 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 terrible. Uh, um just to let you know, know. to our listeners, we do not condone murder on this podcast, but uh it hypothetically if you could go back in time and kill baby Hitler, uh, mate, I I would pause. I would think about it too. It's actually a bigger moral question. Okay, here's a question. There's this dude on death row, okay? He's like murdered like five families of people it's like confirmed it's it's been documented he's confessed and all that stuff and he's he's on the electric chair and all you got to do is press the button uh-huh and you will get to keep making movies if you don't press the button you don't get to make another movie for the rest of your life well like okay i mean <laughs> thanks thanks for the setup like you put me in the corner you know like that's what I'm saying. Is there some scenarios where you're going to have to think twice? Right. Like, actually, you know, maybe I will press that button because, uh, you know. But, but, see, that's where it gets harder, you know. It's like, well, are you going to take an absolute stand or, like, a relative stand, you know? That's, uh... <laughs> but the point is, like, you know, if, let me put it this way. When I was younger, like, if somebody were to, like, physically try to stop me from making a movie, I, I would actually, like possibly kill them to keep going wow i, I see I'll... okay um <laughs> one thing I, I, the, okay this brings up a good point about ethics like um so there's um i think it was like the last tango in pa uh, pa uh, paris or something like that um it was like a uh i'm trying to look here let me look it up real quick but like the last it was like the last tango and basically there was a rape scene right? <clears throat> oh with Marvin. With Marlon Brando, oh, and a raper. <laughs> Last Tango in Paris, right? And that yeah. was by um, totally. it was by Bertolucci, who did like what you know, Last Emperor or whatever. Like he's a he's a pretty dope ass filmmaker. But basically, for that scene, he didn't really prep her that Mar you know that Marlon Brando was gonna do this, right? Um, and it really traumatized her, you know. Right. And they basically right. uh, be they did not they were not for, you know. He he got he got what he wanted on screen, but the cost mm. was she hated him for the rest of her life, you know, and it damaged her. Um, and I would say this is for me, per, you know, I I would I would never I don't think film is worth it. I don't think movies are worth it. Um, I don't think yeah. movies are worth damaging someone's life. Or I remember uh, Tony Leung, right? During um, there's a story where like. Uh, was it days of being wild right um they're filming that and you know how he shows up at the end he has like a short scene or whatever 
and like that's it like you're like what what the hell mm-hmm. basically i guess yeah i remember yeah originally he had a bigger part but i think uh, his wife right. at the time was kidnapped and oh. uh, he he told Wong Kar Wai hey um, i'm going through this right now and it's just a movie so mm. okay i i know where you're coming from i know like there's that passion that drive to like i i, I you know i'm i'm down to like fucking you know oh, like I, there's people like my parents, like they've suffered working, you know, freaking menial jobs. Like if I can't even go through that much suffering doing something I love, then who the hell, you know, who the fuck am I? Like I don't deserve to make movies if I'm not even willing to get to that point. But mm-hmm. there's, I, I definitely think for me, there's a line okay. I won't cross. Like I will never, I will never make a, an actor do something they don't want to do. Like that really, like that hurts them in any way, you know, stuff like that. And I'm sure you, you know, you're with me on this, but like, yeah, I mean, um, there there are some lines as a director where I don't think it's not it's not worth it, and I think it really hurts. It might hurt the art too. I, I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Like, so Bertolucci, like, was was that <laughs> well, okay? First of all, that scenario specifically, I think there's a fallacy in thinking that you you would have to like kind of pseudo rape somebody to get that performance because you know there's also movies like Irreversible, which is like a way more horrifying rape scene. Fuck that fucking and movie messed me up, but yeah, go ahead. Rapes, yeah, you know, <laughs> that movie fucked me up. Uh, I remember when I watched it, that scene came on, and I and I literally I stopped it, I turned it off, and I couldn't watch a movie for six months, and it just was sitting on my desk. I mean, my my <laughs> my shelf, and finally I was like, fuck. I was like, okay, I'm gonna finish this movie. Right. But it was like really the probably the first like hardest movie I've ever watched. But um, but I think um, you know. Okay, so as a maniac director, there are certain blurry lines that I'll cross, but definitely stopping it at, you know, physically hurting or emotionally hurting an actor more than they would be willing to, like, put themselves. I mean, if it's like some young Robert De Niro where he's like, he's the one that wants to go all in, then I'm going to go all in with him, you know? Right. But, but I'm not going to be like, Tropic Thunder, like, take some actors and throw them into a war zone. Uh, and be like, oh, these bullets are real, by the way, uh, you know? <laughs> like, without this, you know. So I guess it is about consent, because also the thing is, like, um, you should be working with great actors where, you know, you don't have to go that far because they're going to bring what they need to to accomplish your goals. Um, although, you know, it's funny when you when it comes to, like, the art, you know, there are certain things, like, I guess... Again, like as long as it's not hurting somebody, then I'll. Uh, I mean, sorry, listeners, we got cut off there for a bit. Um, technical difficulties, but we were talking about basically like the ethics of filmmaking. Sort of like where do we draw the line? The kind of the blurry lines of you know, you know, <laughs> being a director pushing an actor, or you know, even production crew too. Like you sometimes you've heard of PAs getting mistreated, stuff like that. Um, from my, you know, from, you know, from from my interactions with you, uh, Henry, and from my, from what people have told me, like you are, uh, you're a really nice director. Like you'll you'll you you push yourself harder than anyone else on set, and and like uh-huh. you 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 push yourself so hard that people are inspired and they push themselves hard too. Um, now going back True. to those those blurry lines, those blurry uh-huh. lines, like what what? So what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> so okay at this point in my career obviously i mean i really love actors so i i i would never do anything that they wouldn't like um consent to 
however, if they consent to it, I will fucking physically mentally abuse the shit out of them. Um, wow. You know, if they if that's what they want, you know, like, uh, not to say something like, well, I'll be like, you're stupid, you suck, but it be like more like if it was like a war movie and they want to go like they want to be authentic then i'll put them through like some saving fiber iron training you know like um where they do get broken down mentally and physically um and the reason why is because i do have a philosophy which is that i'll never ask anybody to do anything that i wouldn't do myself Hmm. so there's nothing that i would ask of somebody that I wouldn't do first. And, and granted, as the director, I'm, I have to be the one and will always be the one who will go the furthest, but the point is that my actors can trust me that I'm never gonna like have them do something where it's just like, um, you know, for my, as if I'm the overlord, the puppet master or something. I, I'm, I'm a method director too, you know, like when I was writing No Rest for the Wicked, I, I um, a blank gun, you know, it wasn't a real pistol, but it, it looked like one and, you know, carried around in public with me hidden. And, um, you know, when, when the actors wow. came, yeah, it was pretty, dude, I gotta tell you this story real quick. When the actors came, it was so fun. Like we, what I do is like, I try to involve people in like the fairy tale together, like this kind of adventure land that we all go on this journey together. Yeah. And so what I did was like, like, so the first thing which I think is, uh, game where these two actors the guy and the girl they each they had a total of six pebbles and they that represented their six shooter and then i had a dozen people hunting them in a park with a pocket full of rocks and the rule was they had to get from one end of the park to the other and they could only throw their pebbles at the bodies of of the people chasing them but the people chasing them could throw it wherever the fuck they wanted and uh uh, just to give them terror and also to rely on each other, you know, where it's just them two against the world. And surprisingly, they actually did it. They survived. Like, I, they, they made it to the other end of the park, even though these people were, like, throwing rocks at them and nobody hit them. And it was actually really amazing. And they, they had this adrenaline. And then the next test, like, basically what I did was I, I kept raising the level. And the next test was I gave them a, a shopping list from Safeway, which was, like, you know, a, a Sharpie, uh an apple and a pair of a box of condoms. And I told them like, I need this stuff, but you can't pay for it. So they had to steal it. What? Um, because, yeah. Because I wanted them to know what it felt like to break the law. We actually went back and paid for it after, but I didn't tell them that. Oh really? Um, okay. Wow. And said, then, okay. and then, uh, and then <laughs> I had them rob somebody in the street, which was a friend that I planted. And it was really funny because I gave him this fake gun and I'm driving around and I'm looking for like a target and they're like, this is not fucking real. Like, there's no way this is fucking real. And I'm like, well, you guys are going to do it, right? And they're like, okay. And and then. What? They agreed to, they agreed to it? (laughs) Yeah. That's what I'm saying, man. Yeah. Yeah. And then so my friend was in this alley and I was like, oh, that's the guy. And then so they went and they ran and they, they went to go mug him, you know, at gunpoint. And the funny part is like this this like middle-aged guy starts walking towards that alley and I stopped the guy because I was like, Oh shit, I can't have some random person. Like, um, the fact that I'm even staging these exercises in public is like already, but, um, and yeah, get this guy, I have let this guy walk down hallways and I think they're actually getting robbed. And I'm talking to this guy and I'm totally BSing. All of a sudden they both come running past me and my friend drops the fucking gun right in front of me and the guy. 
Oh, and, like, shit. There's <laughs> just this moment where he just, like, stares at the gun on the ground, and he looks at me, and I look at him, and I grab the gun off the ground and jump in the car, and we all drive off. And, uh, and then they were, like, freaking out, you know? They were like, oh, my God, we got to go back and apologize and tell him that, you know, it was all for this movie and stuff. Yeah, yeah, stuff. yeah. And then I told him, like, oh, dude, it was just a, you know, it was my friend. And they were like, oh, I knew it. I knew it. And then, and then uh, even though they weren't sure. And then, and, but then the last test, which is where you're going to be like, what the fuck? There's also, I think I was, yeah, what, 24, 25 when I did this. So I was oh definitely more of a maniac. But the last test was I wanted to crush their soul, you know. And I felt like if a murderer or a criminal robber, like, queer criminal or something, there's a part of your soul that's kind of dead, you know? And and you see it in the actors who, like, actually were criminals, right? Like, there's certain things you can't fake, you know, like um, Eddie Bunker in Reservoir Dogs, you know? Like, he used to rob banks, oh, you shit. know? I mean? huh. And so when he went to prison, you know? He wrote from prison. He wrote novels in prison. So, he, you know, like, this guy was a career criminal, like an actual, like, fucking James Elroy, like, character. And I, I just think there's some things you can't fake um anyway so i bought these two birds and i wanted them to kill the birds oh my god <laughs> oh. and i remember like i'm telling them like if you guys can't do it i'm gonna do it because again i'm not gonna ask anybody to do something i wouldn't do and i'm sitting there and i'm trying to psych myself up to like basically murder a bird this little bird, cute little bird and um and I'm getting psyched up and I'm like, Oh my god, I'm gonna have to smash this fucking thing and um I guess I'm kinda masochistic too, but but the most hilarious part is I went to go I went to go like do something, take a quick break or whatever, and somehow within like the ten minutes that I was gone, one of our our makeup artists who I love dearly, she um like found a pet store and bought all these toys and like things for the birds and had basically made like a little home in the cage for the and I was like, "All right, experiment over." <laughs> like, there's no way I can I can kill these things, you know. Right, right. And, and I remember my actress was my actress was like, "Yeah, if you made me do that, I don't think I would have been able to be friends with you." Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's probably the line. But at the same time, like, I could see other filmmakers, like a Werner Herzog or you know, like a Lars von Trier or something, where it'd be like, you know, they'll do it, you know. And I mean, Werner, I, Werner, it like, depends he... on the type of art you make. Yeah, I mean Werner, he 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 made a documentary about like volcanoes and shit, right? And he was like, he almost died, you know. Like, he went to like freaking the the He's craters. A few times, I think, and I, and that's the thing is like I think there's this kind of maniac. It's not all directors though. There's so many directors that are, are amazing that would probably be like, dude, what are you talking? Yeah, exactly. About? Yeah, 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 that yeah. Shit. But, but I think there's a certain. Again, it's kind of maybe method or whatever, but they want to like go far and and. But I will tell you one story that was definitely, like, not, you know, ethical or whatever, but I guess it worked out in the end, is I, um, I produced a film for my friend, a short film, way back, like in 2001 or something, mm. um, and there's a rape scene in it, and the girl, um, who, by the way, is Arden Cho, who's on, I think, Team Wolf, is that show still going? Dude, she's, uh, she's no joke, yeah, 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 Arden Cho legit actor now but she she this was in the beginning of her career and so we got her in the short film it was actually a really good little artistic short film like a real art house film okay she was super send it over i want to see it but yeah go ahead yeah yeah 
So there's this scene though where she's supposed to get raped, and I and he, my friend wanted this one guy who wasn't a professional. Actually, this is really funny the connection. The guy actually, his name is Chris. He ended up winning the American or the food truck race, and he owns Soul Sausage. Oh no shit! Um, okay. <laughs> this guy became the owner of Soul Sausage. Anyways, this is before. Yes. So you got the what is this the Korean connection? I guess, huh? Friend Chris, because. Yeah, I guess so. It just happened that way. And uh, he wanted Chris, and he didn't want anybody else. And I was like, okay, I'll get Chris. And I'm like, the whole time, I'm like, and Chris wanted to be in movies, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, man, when do I tell this guy that this it's a rape scene? And so, like, I just told him, you know, like, just show up at this place. It'll be really easy or whatever. <laughs> and then we get there. And I, he's like, okay, what am I doing? I'm like, all right, so you're meeting your girlfriend in a park and you haven't seen her for a long time and you guys are like pat you know you're very passionate and you're you're making love to her but she's going to act like she doesn't like it <laughs> and then he, he stopped and he was like so she's getting raped and i was like some people might call it that oh my gosh um, <laughs> Wow. And, but the, the thing is, she knew the whole thing. She read the script, so it's not like we did a last thing on Paris. But I did it to him, kind of. <laughs> I did it in reverse. He didn't know he was going to have to rape somebody. And wow. I brought a pillow. And I'm like, you're just going to have to hump this pillow instead, you know, but you're going to be on top of her. And uh, and she was okay with it, you know, because we prepped her. And she was, you know, I mean, we wouldn't, wouldn't have been able to do it if she did sign on. But the point is that I was too afraid to tell him what it was. <laughs> Because he's like a new actor, I guess. And... He had never been in anything before. He thought it was just going to be this cool thing where he gets to act cool and be cool. And it's like, no, you have to rape somebody, which is like, you know, obviously it must have been something far from what he wanted. But the point is, like, at that time, I was definitely very much more like whatever it takes to get the job done. But now I realize, you know, you can get the same result. Um, it just, you just have to have... But even more communication and persuasive skills, you know. Mm. So, um, so again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. And also because I, I grew to really love and respect actors, you know, as I directed more, I realized like, yeah, you don't want to do that because um, you build a reputation. You could build a reputation like that, right. and so, um, so I don't know. I mean, I haven't really done anything like that since then. But uh, wait, so did, he he raped her then? He 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 did it. He did he the did. scene. Yeah, he went through with it. He was. Uh, was he okay with that? She was okay with it. Yeah, she was okay with it. We had clearly, you know, um, talked her through exactly how it was going to be shot, and and the fact that he, you know, he was humping a pillow, not her, you know. But um, Chris, I mean, I'm talking about Chris. Was he like, was he traumatized by, or like, was he like, what was the turn for him? Like, when did when did he say like, uh, okay, I'll do it. When he realized that she was okay with it. Oh, okay, I see. Gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah, so he, you know, he... <laughs> Jeez, wow. <laughs> but that's an example of, of me blurring the line to try and get get a result. But I, I think that was also because I was younger and, and I thought, like... And I was too afraid to, like, approach him straight up in that situation. But since then, I mean, you know, No Rest of the Wicked and All Men Are Thieves and all that stuff, I think actors... I mean, again, it, there's nothing they're doing that they wouldn't, they're not agreeing to, or they're not 
allowing me to like bring them on this journey where because one thing i always promise these actors that i work with is like you're not going to be the same person by the time it's done mm. you know what i mean like you're, you're not and and that's very thrilling for them you know it takes a certain type of attitude like a certain type of person where they're willing to put stuff on the line and experiment and push themselves physically and stuff like that and um you know but at the same time like i guess i've gotten pretty good compliments overall at the end result like people feel more more accomplished and you know like i showed up with james kyson lee you know and yeah. when he before he showed up you know i told him i was like hey man like i don't i don't do things the hollywood way and i don't even know what the hollywood way is we don't have any money like but i can promise you that by the time you're done like you will be a different man like you will have gone through something that that nobody else has pushed you before. And he was a trooper to his credit. You know, he came in and worked the 18, 20, 24 hours like with me. And wow. I mean, we're freezing in the cold. Like it was like one of the coldest winters and he's like shivering and freezing and, you know, and, and like, you know, you've been up for 20 hours straight shooting for 18 hours. I mean, I remember we got to this one location at 6 a.m. and we didn't leave till 6 a.m. Jeez. And we filmed the whole time straight. And it was like, you know, so it was basically like 24 hours. And this was like in East Oakland with people driving around shooting in the air. Like the cops, like 20 car, cop car came and they were like, oh, did you hear these people shooting? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> we heard them like on the other side of the block. And um, I guess some people were just driving around shooting out their car. <laughs> and my actress was like, do you think we should go? And I was like, well, the cops didn't kick us out. <laughs> Is it safe? Because I could hear the gunshots on the other side of the block or whatever. And I just looked at her and I said, you know what? Like, if you feel unsafe and you want to go, I'll pull the plug, you know. But if you're willing to risk it, we'll keep filming. <laughs> That's a lot of pressure, man. That's pressure. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of fucked up, but it's no. Kinda... But actually, it's true though. If she really felt like she didn't, couldn't do it, I wouldn't keep going. But because she said yes, we fucking did it, man. Because you, so, yeah, yeah. Because you put your, yeah. Because you're willing to put it on the line, and if she's willing, then why not? I guess is is your is is your thinking. Yeah, yeah. But see, that's because of what like if she got hurt. If somebody got hurt, then it would automatically not be worth it, right? No, for sure. So then, for it's sure. Like, so it's, it is a bit of a gamble, and and. Um, you know, that's why I like that tragedy with that, that, that um, production assistant. Yeah, or she got hit by they... a train, yeah. Like that, when I when I read that, I was really mad at the director um, because it is his show in the end and whether or not, you know, it was his direct responsibility to... That, that situation sounded really sketchy, though. I mean, like... You know, I've shot on train tracks before, and I've had, I had like people like far with walkie-talkies, like you know, like on both sides, like you know, watching, and you know, even that was dangerous. And I told them like how like people's lives depend on them. So I don't know, like having somebody come out and do that and end up dying, it's like that's definitely not worth it. Right, and I think part of it also was that she had been working, you know super long hours too and she was probably fatigued as well and so that was right, so, her uh, so um this is kind of perception we're probably off yeah that's yeah where i saw but yeah that, i don't know when it comes to that question 
again, if they if I get permission, I'm gonna push them. I'm gonna push them more than they imagined that they would be. Um, again, because I'm willing to to go there myself. So, uh, so I don't know. I think that's tough. Like, I wouldn't want anybody to hate me. Yeah. But you know, it's funny how society judges the end result, though, because you have like Shelley Duvall in The Shining, and you know, oh, she had a horrific time. You know, she was physically kind of broken and definitely mentally broken. I mean, she didn't even act after that. Um, and that was Stanley Kubrick, you know, like exacting his will on her. Oh, uh, wow. And I don't know anybody that's like, oh, I, I would like they fucking glorify that movie. I mean, I don't know. Not maybe. I, I didn't even know that story, though. So, I mean, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, see, that's the thing is that I think that's kind of more of a product of like the eight, 70s, 80s, 90s, maybe. Because yeah. it was like a more auteur driven industry. Now, like with the corporate world and stuff i don't think that stuff would fly maybe on indie film sets but you know the problem is like people know what greatness is and i think there's like an implicit social like consent to like (laughs) fuck people up if it results in something that society considers great you know i mean it's the same nobody talks about the fact that martin luther king like cheated on his wife or you know gandhi fucking slept in bed naked with like underage girls uh to test his chastity so yeah test his chastity yeah yeah you know it's like but the point is like even and john lennon like beat his first wife like it's like and he's talking about peace and love and shit and it's like i i mean it's weird like how society i think because they recognize that greatness is rare people think there's when there's a cost to be paid, they kind of justify it as long as the end result works out. Like, if The Shining was this terrible movie, this be like, whatever, like, people would condemn the way that he treated her, but because it's The Shining, like, they're like, oh, it sucks for her, too bad she had to go through that, but there's, they're not, like, trying to take it back, you know? <laughs> so, I don't know, I'm not trying to, or 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 um you know justify it but i'm just saying like in society there's a general sense that i don't know there's a good general consensus at times of what you can do to like people value the results of art more like the emotions of an individual you know that's kind of it's it's kind of like what the means justify the ends is, is basically what you're kind of getting at right i mean I mean, do the means, I guess, do the means justify the end? I guess. I'm not saying, I'm not saying it does. (laughs) It's a philosophical debate, but what I'm saying is there's a portion of people that they, they implicitly condone it by, by loving these films, by, by, you know, propagating this art, you know, like if you really like were a feminist, like, like, or like, like going back to the John Lennon thing, like, let's say, feminist and you're like a hundred percent black and white hardcore about it like if you knew that john lennon beat his wife like 
I don't know. Can are you can you consume anything that he puts out? Like is that okay? Like maybe Maybe not. he reformed, I guess, with Yoko Ono. I mean, I guess you could Okay, stop beating his wife fine. You know, like uh, you know, like and maybe he felt bad, probably he probably did feel bad. You, you know, like and and that's not not to say a deeper conversation, like people make mistakes and they could change and you know, things like that and they yeah. driven. But but what I'm saying is like, you know, it's kinda weird to be like to look at him and be like, oh, he beat his wife, and then you're gonna like play his greatest hits and be like, la, 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 la. you know, it's like <laughs> you just turn it off. Like that doesn't mean anything to you, you know. So I think it's tough when it comes to art, especially. Um, people tend to forgive um, certain types of casualties. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, people. okay, so it's. it's just off of that so the most like a contemporary example of that would be casey affleck right casey affleck was charged with sexual assault towards two women that he worked with on you know assault it was sexual harassment sexual harassment right yeah yeah um but that's that's funny you say that because i watched manchester by the sea on the airplane coming back from korea yeah and it blew me away, dude. To me, that was the best picture of the year. Like, it was actually amazing. Like, the writing, the acting, the directing. Like, I loved it. I, I, I didn't... Yeah, go ahead. I mean, I didn't know about Casey Affleck's stuff when I watched it. I wish I... Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. See, that changes it. I watched Birth of a Nation knowing Nate Parker's um, kind of story. And so that... It made it really hard for me to watch that without constantly thinking about him. Um... But I think a greater example would be Woody Allen. Yeah, yeah. I think the Affleck thing is, to me, is tough because I really read into it. It's like, first of all, he got accused of sexually harassing women, which definitely not cool. But they settled, like, out of court. Like, they took money to to not talk about it anymore. And then they kept the credit on the movie, too. Um, So there was a little bit more blurriness to me there because, like, if I'd been raped, let's say, even if I took the money, like, would I want my name on the fucking project? Like, no. But that's just me. So, I don't know. But I'm just saying, like, his was more of a sexual harassment, like, probably being a douchebag type behavior. Nate Parker was tougher because it was, like, actually rape. And then the girl, like, offed herself. Yeah, she committed suicide. Like, yeah. Way fucked up. So... so obviously, she had some serious... Like, it was seriously traumatic for her. Um, and then Woody Allen is like, yeah, nobody's proving it. Most people think, assumes that he did something, um, you know, um, and yet all these A-list actors and all these people keep giving him money to make movies. And he's been accused of this multiple times in different high-profile situations. And yet there's men and women out there that still love Woody Allen films, that still, that Annie Hall is like their jam, you know what I mean? So... That's what I'm saying is like there's a portion of the population that just condones the end result of an art, a work of art, you know, they, any means necessary. Like Roman Plansky, right? Uh, Roman Plansky, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um... He's still making they give him a fucking Oscar. Like, <laughs> so I'm not saying it's right or wrong. All I'm saying is that there is a part of human nature that people tend to to let certain things go if they have a greater connection with like their product. You know what I mean? Right. Now, but uh, so given all these examples, I mean, there's uh, with each of these examples, there's 10 other examples of great directors or actors who have mm. done, you know, done good work without doing mm-hmm. bad shit, you know? <laughs> like, you know, of 
Yeah. Or, or like they've done me, you know, they've pushed to the edge, but never to the point where it was a, you know, a, there was a sexual action, sexual action accusation at them. Um, but um, no, you you bring up a good point. That's like a longer conversation we could probably have mm-hmm. on the next podcast. Sure. Like, no, I, I I could go because you know that Manchester United. Like, I I I think I would like that movie. I just I can't bring myself to watch it. You know, I think I would love it. Kenneth Longer. Yeah, Kenneth Kenneth Longerin is like he, yeah, he wrote plays. But he's amazing. I know playwright writers playwright slash screenwriters tend to be pretty like awesome, like Mamet or um whatever. But the, I think yeah, for that's funny you say that because it's funny how much it changes when you know the backstory, like. Um, that movie is amazing. I, I really think it was the best picture, more than Moonlight. Oh, damn it! Oh, maybe I oh, crap. Maybe I need to watch. Well, yeah, I watched Moonlight. I was like, okay, I, this is like this is my jam. Like, and you know, Barry, I've met you. You've probably met Barry, right? Like, I've met Barry Jenkins before, and like, nice, yeah, nice guy. He's so, really nice. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's a different conversation, but but I. Uh, Hi all, this is James, aka uh, Young. For unfortunately, the like this very small section towards the the last part of our podcast with with Henry Kim uh, got deleted. Um, there was uh, some connection issues and also uh, some file issues, so uh, we do apologize for that. Um, what I am going to continue with is language corner. Uh, I did record my section of language corner which i'll play after this um so here have a quick listen so here's here's an example i, I was going to give today um <clears throat> it's like a lyric from a from a rap song it's called uh, it's a it's a mandarin it's in mandarin it's called uh the song is called life's a struggle uh it's by song yue ting uh, he's a taiwanese uh taiwanese uh, rapper he spent some time in the u.s and he has this phrase called jin pen shi so right Jin pen shi so. So jin pen is a is a gold uh, like a gold basin. Jin is gold. It's basically where Kim comes from, right? It's jin. Uh, it means gold. And um, and then pen is a basin. And then shi so means wash hands. So basically, the phrase means like to wash one's hand in a golden basin. And the way it's it means it's like to turn over a new leaf. So it's been used before where like, so there's a gangster, right? And you know about gangsters, right? So they, 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 ha- they move from a gangster life to a legitimate life, kind of like the Godfather or whatever. So they want to move from like, you know, bloody hands, right? And they want to move to a place where they can wash their hands in the golden basin where it's like legit, like, okay, they're clean now, right? So that's, that's what that phrase means. Um, um, and I was like, when I looked at that phrase a while back, I was like, dude, that's a dope ass phrase. So, Jin Pen Shi So. Yeah, so that's a phrase I, I, I want to share today. Yeah. All right, so that was my language corner. Again, apologies for the technical difficulties. Uh, and Henry, he was able to share some of his philosophies about filmmaking some more and uh, some, some tips that he actually got from his dad about work and struggle. I'd like to have Henry come back uh, in a future episode and share those uh, those thoughts with you. Uh, if if you wouldn't mind, uh, yeah, check us out on iTunes uh, and also check us out on Facebook. Just type in Yin and Yang instead. Of, it's gonna come up with a bunch of like Yin and Yin and Yang. Um, 
recommendations, but look up Yin and Young, Y-O-U-N-G, and we should be coming up. Anyways, uh, thank you so much for your support and for listening, and I think it was a good conversation. We talked a lot about, yeah, ethics in Hollywood, the and, you know, the, the life of what it means to be, to, to struggle for filmmaking and, you know, what what's worth struggling for. So, uh, please take a, yeah, thanks for listening and uh, take a look at our social media. And also you can find me on uh, Instagram at JYS Life Times. That's J-Y-S L-I-F-E-T-I-M-E-S. All right. Well, Great to talk and uh, catch you next time. Bye. Relationships getting you down. In and young.